Hi, this is Dee, and you are listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. Um, here lately I've been doing, I guess, kind of like um, an open mic, if you will. Um, normally before my other podcasts, I had um, done some research on my topic and even chose a topic and would do a lot of um, typing and trying to lay it all out and have a script and all that. And the last few podcasts I've done, um, I actually have just been winging it. Um, And I think a lot of it is just because there's just so much information um, in my head, for one. (laughs) But um, sometimes things just can't be scripted. And sometimes um, I feel like (coughs) it's better for me to try to relate, I guess if you could could say, to other people um, in the world, (laughs) Um, but also try to relate to myself and... um, I try to talk about things that I feel that are kind of common ground with others and at the same time um, it's a matter of a lot of a release for myself. I I take care of my mom which I've talked about many times and um, you know sometimes I mean I can't speak for everybody obviously but Am I the only one that, um, I guess just, (laughs) I get caught up in my, my head and my head gets caught up in me, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, and sometimes I feel like if I don't release it somewhere, I'm going to implode. (laughs) Um. You know, before I usually would talk to myself a lot. I laugh at myself, laugh at my own jokes, <laughs> correct myself, yell at myself, scold myself, um, talk mean to myself, put myself down. Um, but here lately, I've been trying to do the reversal of that. <clears throat> I've been trying to teach myself how to be nicer to myself, how to um, take all of the negativity in the world that has made me believe that I'm this everything but I'm not person Um, you know being put down a lot throughout my life and um, a lot of verbal abuse and mental abuse and physical abuse and um, I just normally I'm like a talker (coughs) and anybody that knows me knows that (laughs) And, um, I'm one of those people that I talk so much, but it's not that I'm trying to be rude and over-talk people, but yet it can come off that way. Um, sometimes I get excited about something that I'm talking about, and I might accidentally and unintentionally, um, over-talk them or cut them off, and, um... I just, I've gotten to the point where <clears throat> as much as I used to talk is now as much as I'm quiet. And unfortunately, 
I don't really believe anybody notices that because obviously there's nobody here. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, when you talk out loud to yourself, you know, I've had my mom before ask me, you know, who are you talking to? Myself. <laughs> um, you know, or I'll be like, I don't know, doing a comedy act with myself, if you will, telling myself jokes and walking the house and being funny and like talking in different weird voices and um, just asking myself a question and then in another like the voice or whatever, I'll, I'll do like a little, I don't know, role play skit, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, and I know that sounds kind of crazy and it is crazy. Um, but here lately, you know, if you talk out loud, people think you're crazy. And if you keep it inside and talk to yourself inside, you make yourself crazy. At least I do. And <clears throat> I, I've been trying to remind myself internally um, that I'm not all the bad things that people have made me feel. That people have stereotyped me to be. That... Um, all the negativity I have allowed, and not necessarily allowed, but continued to hear over my lifespan, that it is just stacked up so high that the good parts and qualities about me are just overshadowed, and people have a difficulty of actually seeing me, the person of who I am. They just see <coughs> my character, or... Um, my big mouth. <laughs> um, I talk a lot, lot, loud a lot. <clears throat> my great grandmother was deaf, and um, a lot of my, a lot of the females on my grandmother's side um, talk very loud. <laughs> and <clears throat> all growing up, we've always had to talk so loud. Well, as a kid, I should say, growing up until my grandmother passed away. <clears throat> um, we all talked really loud because she couldn't hear us. You know, she had a hearing aid, and she could read lips. Um, and <laughs> I still tell people, you know, my grandmother, my grandmother's deaf. I've grown up my life talking loud because I to talk to my grandmother. And, and you know, it's I'm trying to teach myself, trying to dial it down a little bit. Um, and then sometimes when I get excited about things, um, I amplify. I just, I get passionate about something, kind of like on my podcast when I talked about the um, the homeless and homeless veterans. I'm very, very passionate about the homeless veterans um, and homeless. I do a lot, um, I try to do a lot for the homeless. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so <laughs> long story short, seven minutes into this, <clears throat> um, I this, this is pretty much just going to be me again talking. Um, this time I put a little headset on my head. I'm hoping that I can hear my mom if she yells at me. Um, if not, she should ding me with the little button thing. Um, hopefully the batteries are working. I need to check them. Because um, sometimes they have a mind of their own and they work and they don't work. But um, <coughs> I... Oh, funny story. Talking about the ding-dong button. Um, it's just like it's like a doorbell button. And my mom, when she needs me, she rings it. And it sounds like a doorbell. And so... I'm probably going to laugh at this before I even get it out. And it's because it's funny to me. 
I don't know if anybody else does that, where you want to say something that's so funny, and then you spend your time laughing, and you can't even get it out, and then you're laughing so hard, and you're like, and the person's looking at you like, are you going to tell me what's so funny in your head that you're dying laughing on? But, so anyway, I did this podcast one night, and my mom had rang the, the, the button, and so I paused the machine, and I went in there to check on her, and I was in there for a little while. And I came back in here and I picked it back up and then she did it again a little bit later. So I paused it again and I went back in there. <laughs> so then, sorry, I knew this was going to happen. Because <laughs> this is what I feel like. <laughs> a dumb moment. <laughs> so I'm in here and I turn the button. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I turn the podcast on, and I'm listening to it before I, before I publish it, and I'm listening to it, <laughs> and my mom, reads the, my mom reads the bell, so I get up, and I go and check on my mom, and I said, what do you need? <laughs> and she looked up like, what are you talking about? And I said, what did you need? I said, you rang the bell. She goes, I didn't ring the bell. I said, well, it went off. She said, well, I didn't read it. Ring it. Or ring it. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe it has a mind of its own. So I come back in here, and I sat back down. I pressed play, and I was listening. And it rang again. <clears throat> and I started to get up. <laughs> and then I remembered. <laughs> I was listening to my recording from earlier. When she hanged the button. <laughs> so the ding dong was from earlier in the podcast and it got recorded. <laughs> so I thought my mom had rang me again. So anyway, <laughs> maybe that's not funny to anybody else, but I find humor in it. I humor myself, I guess. But anyway, <clears throat> I don't know why I. <clears throat> it didn't dawn on me that it was the recording because I was so in-depth and in, in listening to my podcast. Sometimes I listen to my podcast and sometimes I don't. But I just happened to listen to that one that night and um, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Because it took me a moment I was sitting here and I was like, you know, I was thinking about that button. And I'm like, now I know I heard that button go off because it sits right here beside me. And about the time I'm thinking about it still, I heard it go again. And that's when it dawned on me that it was... Uh, it was a podcast. <laughs> so, anyway. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> we, um, it was just my mom and I. I uh, made a, a big dinner. We had lots of leftovers. <clears throat> but, um, you know, with my dad passing away about a year and a half ago, um, you know, my mom really went and went in the, she really just went in a big, went in a big crowd. And um, normally in our family, uh, we're pretty big on the holidays at um, having big dinners and, and gatherings. And um, I don't never ha know how to cook for a small group of people because we've always been a big group of people. <clears throat> my particular family, myself, um, is very big. but um, Or it was always big. And um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I would take up most of the table through the years. Um <clears throat> But anyway, my mother just wanted her and I, um, so I made a big dinner, and um, I uh, pulled over her 
her bed tray because she has a tray like a hospital bed tray goes over her bed I pulled that over and she has the tray in her bed um, because she is um, not mobile and um, we had a nice Thanksgiving dinner we um, sat there and we talked and chit chatted and um, you know a little bit about this and nothing and then um, we had dinner about one o'clock <coughs> and um, by 145 I had done I had everything cleaned up put away and we were finished eating <laughs> so it took um, it took a while to make and uh, not even 10 minutes 15 minutes to scarf down so you know how that goes um, and that was with going back for well I didn't go really go back for desserts I went back for more macaroni and cheese because you always got to have more macaroni and cheese um, it was either pumpkin pie or macaroni and cheese, and the pumpkin pie, pie did not win. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, but I do hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, this group that I do on Facebook, um, we do a lot for the homeless and people that are in hard times. And um, we actually did a, um, a food drive, kind of, um, trying to get like um, Thanksgiving dinner put together for people to hand out for them so they can have food at home to make for, you know, their families. And so, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, obviously, it didn't go as big as I was hoping it to be because, you know, I always think bigger than what it is. But we did manage um, to get some put together. And I can't, my, one of my moderators on my group <clears throat> knew of a woman. Um, well, this woman had posted that that was something that she could use. Um, because I posted about assuming that, and um, what I mean, my moderator knew who she was, so um, she gave me directions to the woman's house, and I went over there and um, <clears throat> is it uh, Wednesday afternoon, late afternoon or somewhere around there, and um, I knocked on the door and I asked her if she was who she was, and I said um, I'm not trying to be weird or anything, and I explained to her who I was. And I said, um, you know, do you have Thanksgiving dinner? And she said, no, actually, I was, I was calling my card to see if I had enough money on there to go get some stuff. And I said, well, if you don't mind coming out to my car with me, um, I have what you need. Um, basically, in a nutshell, what I told her. So I had the whole back of my car um, was with food uh, for her. And I even added some extra outside of Thanksgiving um, and we carried it in, and, um, obviously, you know, she thanked me, was very happy, and, um, I had made a little, I had a little stuffed animal bunny rabbit, made a little shirt for it, and found, because I, I, well, I did that, because if she wasn't going to answer the door, she went home, I was just going to leave it on her doorstep for her, and, you know, leave it, because <clears throat> she did not know I was coming over, and, actually, she didn't even know me, um, but I found out that her son was expecting, and um, so I so I heard somebody was expecting, and she said, yeah, my son, and I handed her the bunny rabbit, and, um, yeah, so she wanted to give it to the baby or whatever, but that is why I do what I do, because that is what makes it go around, and, um, you know, it's, and, and the funny thing of it is, is that people think, I feel like people think that they need to have this ridiculous amount of resources and money to help people, and, you know, <clears throat> and taking care of my mother, you know, obviously I've talked about how I quit my job to take care of my mom. And, 
I did, <laughs> I've talked about before, um, if, if you haven't listened to my other podcast, when I first started taking care of my mother, <clears throat> I, I go through the, um, a government stipend <clears throat> to take care of my mom. And I, when I first started, um, I get paid by the day, um, but I broke it down because I'm here 24-7. And <clears throat> I sleep on a uh, twin bed in my mom's living room because the bedroom's too far away and I can't hear her. But um, <laughs> so when I first started, you know, I broke it up into hours of the day and how much pay it was. And it averaged out to $1.25 an hour. Yeah, dollar twenty-five an hour, and then in June, uh, I got a raise, and I was making a dollar sixty-one an hour. So I was talking to them. I'm like, I don't understand your guys' pay, because <laughs> um, you know the government makes other companies pay minimum wage, but yet they don't have to. Um, so I mean, could you imagine me being here twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, making minimum wage? <laughs> I mean, I'd be happy with that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. Um, so I was talking to them and we did like our reviews and stuff because we have to touch base like every other month and every month depends. I got like three different people I have to have uh, meetings with every every so often. <clears throat> and so anyway, I talked to the lady who oversees our, my stipend. And um, anyway, I got a raise. I make $2.07 now an hour. So it's just in time for Christmas. And... Um, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to save some money up so I can buy me a, a, a new-to-me vehicle because my vehicle is pretty much on its last leg. It's got bald tires, and the heater's not working. The catalytic converter is uh, not on it now, and it's very loud. The muffler hangs. Um, it's, it gets me from point A to point B, uh, knock on wood. But um, I do know that's something I need to highly consider pretty soon. So... I have been doing that. Now, for all those that your day was not complete without knowing all that information, now it is. Um, so, anyway, um, I was talking the other day <laughs> to myself. <laughs> um, and, you know, I get to the point where sometimes I... When I, when I try to analyze myself, and I'm trying to teach myself to do better to myself. And it's, it's a challenge. It's really a challenge. And I don't know if you guys are like that to where you're so, your self-esteem is about as knee-high to a grasshopper. And again, I don't know why we have those weird sayings. I talked about this before my other podcast. We had weird sayings growing up. I don't understand that. But anyway, um, so <clears throat> I've been trying to help with build my self-esteem up. And, you know, because before, <sighs> when I would go to the mirror or um, something, <sighs> anxiety and depression set in or, you know, people have made you feel like, you know, if you, even if you come from a big family, sometimes you can feel like you're the invisible party. And, you know, I've always felt like, you know, jump up and down and they still wouldn't see me. And if even if I didn't do something and something was not my fault, somehow it was always my fault. Um, from, you know, 
certain people in my family. And, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> we've had family members play favoritism, um, you know, and I've got, I should say family, I should say relatives. Um, they're family, but they're relatives, you know, because I always say you got family, you got them damn relatives, which my mom actually says that, but I agree with her. Um, but, you know, we had some, obviously it was just my mom and I, but we do have family that, um, I feel like make it a point to not take the time to look at their own reflections before they want to be all up in somebody else's business. And that is a big reason why I have grown up the way that I have in my mental state of mind, if you will, <clears throat> between being um, <clears throat> a very rough childhood and, um, you know, a lot of mental anguish and, and abuse and, and uncertainty and instability and not just, I mean, my mother obviously was a single mother trying to raise her kids and, you know, she met my stepdad. I was about eight years old and, you know, he's, like I've said before, he's my dad and, um, I, I love and miss him dearly and, um, you know, but it's, it's hard when you, it's hard enough to be a, a parent married and a family taking care of your kids, but as a single mother, or a single father, for that matter, because I don't want to just push the spotlight on the females, because I know there are single fathers out there. Um, it's it's rough. It really is rough. Um, you know, because by the time you try to balance going to work all day, and you got to make sure that your kids get off to school, you got to make sure they're safe. You know, and if they're into sporting against extra activities or anything. You know, that runs you ragged, um, but also making sure that they still can have um, the opportunity to be a kid. Um, but then, you know, if you want to better yourself and continue your education and work and try to provide for your family, then you got to get, you know, and then you got to make sure you got a decent home and the bills are paid and, you know, food on the table and still making sure that your kids are um, included uh or I shouldn't say your kids included, you included with your kids because as a sole, um, as the head of the household and as sole, you know, provider, there's a lot of multitasking and multi-hats that need to go on. And, um, you know, when I was, um, married to my second husband, I was uh, working full time and going to school full time. And, um, trying to balance home life at the same time, you know, maintaining the house and all the kids and, um, you know, he didn't work <laughs> and, um, it, it took a lot of time away, if you will, but then prior to being married and I was a single mother raising my kids by myself, um, uh, you know, I worked, but I was fortunate enough to be able to balance family time with my, mainly my two older kids, because my younger daughter, which I talked about before, she's 10 years younger, and life kind of changed um, when she was about four years old. Um, that was about when I met my ex-husband, About she was about four or five years old, and um, 
So her upbringing and her life was different than my two oldest ones, where we were able to have family nights. I had family night on Tuesdays. Um, you know, we played board games or we watched movies or we'd go to the movie, go shopping, order pizza in. Every Tuesday was dedicated to family night. No phone, no, no friends over, no nothing. Um, and I was trying to teach them how to balance a checkbook. They had, um, checkbook via mom. <coughs> so I gave them <coughs> fake, or like fake checks, uh, like an old checkbook and check registers and um and they would make a deposit in the bank if you will and then when they wanted to buy something then they would obviously learn how to budget their money um and on the register and stuff and um one time my oldest daughter my yeah my oldest daughter <laughs> Because uh, we would order pizza in. Most time we order pizza and watch movies and play board games and listen to music and stuff. And my son, he has a personality like mine. So it was pretty much a comedy uh, comedy night, basically. Um, but this one particular night, my oldest daughter, she was sitting in the recliner in the living room. And we were talking about what we wanted to get and stuff. We wanted to go out to eat and go shopping or we were going to order in and watch movies. And she said that she wanted to take money out of her account and buy dinner. And I said, you don't have to do that, baby. I said, I'll get dinner. And she just started crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? And <laughs> she is so serious. And she looks at me she's, and she's crying. And in between her tears, she's pausing and she's saying, I just wanted to feed my family <laughs> and um, I had to turn my head because I didn't want to laugh at her because she was sincere and so I said okay okay you can feed your family I appreciate that because you know after going no you don't have to do that but she was obviously starting to get hysterical she was really dead set set on doing that so I told her yeah you can do that um, so I just saw I took it out of her account but I didn't um, but it was just, um, it, it, it's just a different upbringing and it's just, it's, maybe I'm just talking in circles or rambling, but, um, my point is, is that even as adults, when we become parents, you know, we, we spend our time trying to, well, we spend our time trying to grow up. Whenever that happens, somebody please let me know because I'm still trying to grow up. But we spend our time trying to grow up. And then we have our children and get married and our families and stuff. And we're raising our kids, trying to have a relationship still with our significant other, trying to have family time, trying to find ourselves, trying to find our place in life and work and what sets for us. Uh, as people, as individuals, um, we're still trying to figure out how to even do things. Maybe we're still trying to figure out how to cook, how to budget, how to do things, and man manage our bills and, and whatnot. Our kids don't come with an instruction manual, but neither does life or being an adult. And so along this path of our kids growing up, we're growing up with our kids as well. Um, even though we may think that we have all the answers sometimes, um, but 
we make a lot of mistakes. At least I have made a lot of mistakes. And it saddens me because looking back over the years, I think to myself, you know, now in my life, I'm thinking back going, wow, uh, why did I do that? Why, why did that happen? Or, you know, and I should handle that differently. Or maybe I didn't see this clearly or whatever the case may be. Second guessing myself. And a lot of that I think stems from for one, not knowing and just learning as you go, because our kids forget that we are people too, and we're human, and we make mistakes, and maybe they're not supposed to realize that we are, um, but, you know, I sit back, and I, I look at my mother, who is, you know, 71 years old, and <clears throat> even though growing up in the life that we had, and limited our supplies of necessities uh, sometimes. Um, I feel like knowing what I know in my spot in life, uh, the way I handle things, um, you know, when I was homeless for a couple of years and stuff, I don't know what was going on in their life at that time personally that made us have to go through what we did. I don't know why things were so difficult and hard and why we were always moving and going without food and heat and water and, um, you know, necessities, hygiene items, um, you know, teaching ourselves how to grow up. Um, you know, my mom didn't teach me how to shave my legs or put my makeup on or do my hair or, you know, be a woman. Um, I mean, we had the, the video at school, but I learned that basically on my own. And, you know, we didn't have YouTube and Google and all that stuff back then. You know, we couldn't just Google things and be, you know, watch a tutorial on how to apply, you know, contour or whatever, you know. And we didn't have YouTube videos telling us that blue eyeshadow was not the way to go. <laughs> um, and that Aquanet probably could put, <laughs> it probably could fix a flat tire or some Aquanet, actually. Um, it's some potent stuff. But um, some Aquanet and a hairdryer did wonders. But it's, it's a different type of era. But it's also... I understand a lot more in my life now, and it doesn't necessarily make my childhood easier. It doesn't necessarily take away all the mental instability that I had, or the insecurities that I've had, or the abandonment I've felt, um, or just being lonely and um, left behind and invisible and um just it it doesn't take all that away it just puts me in a point now in my life where i look back and i have to remind myself that i'm not all that stuff anymore and then i, I and then i have to remind myself that even though i'm not that stuff any i'm not that kind of person anymore doesn't mean that that kind of person still does not exist within me 
if that makes any sense to anybody. Uh, and maybe I'm just rambling on, and maybe this is boring to you, but I'm just kind of talking to myself in this room. <laughs> it's kind of like my craft room, and I put my computer back here. It's my mom's old music room, because uh, my mom used to do music. Um, she used to write songs and play music, and um, I woke up um, Saturday mornings listening to my mom playing her guitar or keyboard, um, and writing music, and she'd be hitting that note, and she'd be like, nope, nope, that's not it, nope, that's not it, and she'd do it again, nope, nope, that's not it, I'm thinking, it's Saturday, <laughs> I don't have school today, <laughs> why, why are you waking me up so early, <laughs> singing, <laughs> but now it's like, I miss those days so bad, um, I found some of her, her music the other day, and I was saddened because, some of her music um, had got ate up by mice, um, where it had been stored, <clears throat> and um, that really saddened me because I'm like, this is, this was a big part of my life growing up. Uh, my mom played music, my stepdad played music. Um, you know, he was from West Virginia, big down, you know, hillbilly. My uncle played music. Um, he was a bodacious. Uh, Sorry, I hit my mic. Um, a bodacious uh, musician, um, very big, and um, I loved listening to them play music. Um, not on a Saturday morning, waking up to it, but I remember them always sitting around, and um, they sit in a circle, you know, on the floor or in a chair or something, you know, or, and um, <clears throat> I didn't care if it was outside, inside, or wherever. And they would just start picking and um, singing. My mom actually had uh, some of her music on reel-to-reel -reel tapes, which some people might not know what that is. But I remember those. <laughs> um, and she had them on reel-to-reel -reel tapes. And she would press them and start them and, um, or the 8-track uh, record. Um, or not the 8-track. I'm sorry. She didn't record on the 8-track. The cassette tapes. Um she did have an 8-track converter that went <laughs> to a, a cassette tape. Um, kind of like people would do in their car for the disc or whatever, or their MP3 players now or whatever they do. Um, back in my day, <laughs> they actually had, uh, we had 8-track tapes, but they had where they put the adapter in the 8-track tapes when the cassettes came out. So we could listen to those. <laughs> um, and I had a um, record player. It used to have disco lights on it. I thought I was, I thought I was hot stuff with those disco lights. Let me tell you, my oldest sister and I used to put on dance shows, um, in the bedroom and stuff with goof off dancing and stuff. Um, and um, I used to, <laughs> I used to think the Osmonds were my jam or the Bee Gees. Um, Sean Cassidy, I had a poster of him on my wall, and I got, I got so mad at my oldest sister. She got mad at me one day and ripped it, and I, I was ready to. To beat her up and bury her, <laughs> um, but um, <clears throat> you know that's when Dukes of Hazard was famous, and um, you know all those, <laughs> all those. Um, I, I know I I was going down the road the other day, and the radio was talking about these songs, <laughs> and I knew every one of them, uh, one almost every one of them, and. Um, because sometimes I quiz myself internally, externally, whatever, to see if I know them by when the music starts. 
or if I can catch the bead or whatever. And my old, my youngest daughter and I, we had this thing where, well, I think it was more like me. I had it, and I just kind of tried to get her to agree with me. But if we didn't know the words, we just replaced the words with pancakes and waffles. And, um, well, anyway, this, <laughs> this um, <clears throat> commercial was on, and it was talking about the music. And I discovered that I am classic because it said all the classics on blah, blah, blah channel. <laughs> so I'm classic. There you go. I thought I was vintage, but I guess I'm classic. Um, <clears throat> at least I'm not old, um, which, you know, my mom's like, well, if you're, if you're vintage, what am I? I'm like, antique? I mean, I mean, everything's coming back now, right? <clears throat> I saw something on a video the other day where they were bringing back stirrups, and I was like, I wonder if they're going to bring the parachute pants back, <laughs> or, you know, leg warmers, or what was it, the, um, the spandex shorts, and, um, pleather. Not leather, pleather, um, you know, or the friendship beads and, and the buttons and the uh, friendship bracelets. And um, just as long as they don't bring back the shoulder pads, I guess we're good. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so in case anybody doesn't know, if you're about my age, we're classic. <clears throat> so it's kind of like a classic car, I guess, you know. Everybody loves a classic car, right? So anyway... I'm rambling. Um, I don't really have a bunch, I guess, that I ha talk about. But then again, I feel like there's a lot I want to say. And maybe I'm just talking to myself. I don't even know if I'll even air this. I might just be talking to myself and just need to get myself out. Um, but if I do, then I'm sorry if I'm boring you. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I feel like... <coughs> I feel like I have so much to say, and I don't know if it's being a classic or uh, whatever, but I'll get to talking, and I'll totally forget what I'm saying, <laughs> um, or I'll get veered off, and I guess I've done that a lot already, talking in this podcast, um, and I'll get off into another subject. And then I'll try to bring it back to that, if I remember what subject I was on. So if I ever sound a little um, all over the place, um, it's because I am. <laughs> I am. So um, this is actually probably going to be a short podcast because I'm just kind of in a mood this evening. Um, my sister came over today, my youngest sister, um, and... Um, we were uh, going over some crafting stuff, and um, obviously she was a little bit of a distance away, so she went back home. She was trying to get back home before dark. She had her chickens and stuff back in, and um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like I had a really bad headache afterwards. It wasn't that she gave me a headache, but um, my head just started hurting. My eyes were hurting, and this holiday season is just really hard for me. Um. And it's just an emotional roller coaster for me. And I laid down in my bed, and I was ready to go to bed. I uh, checked on my mom, and um, I, I took my teeth out because I had, uh, sorry, I just hit my mic down. I had 26 teeth and four wisdom taken out, so I'm trying to get used to my new dentures still. And sometimes I notice when I'm talking, I feel like my 
teeth are going to come out, but yet they're not. But, well, I can't say they're not because sometimes my bottom ones slip. But anyway, it's more probably the information you need to know. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I, I even, I mean, I got that dramatically ready for bed. I then took my teeth out and laid down in my bed. And um, then I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I just started crying. And um, I was just really had a lot of things going on in my head. A lot of things uh, going on in my heart. And just um, got very emotional. And it's kind of like one of those moments where you cry and your teardrops just fall. Like they don't run down your cheeks, they just fall. And um, I know that I tried to... I've been trying to, to teach myself to calm myself down because <clears throat> before I would get really bad anxiety um, and panic and emotional attacks and um, I would hyperventilate sometimes, I would start coughing real bad, sometimes I would cough where I felt like I was going to get sick, um, I would even hurt myself. I would punch myself in the head, I would um, hit myself, I would scratch my arms, or, or tell myself I was, you know, this, that, and the other, just, I would just, I would be very, um, very self-harming to myself without physically cutting myself, but I was harming myself in every other way, uh, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I guess physically too, because obviously I was punching myself in the head or, um, smacking myself or grabbing my arms real hard and trying to find a place to put my emotions. Sometimes, um, I would just go into little panic attacks and stuff, um, and I would just get real I don't know, I always feel like I can't sit still, like, I'm always, like, moving my feet or my toes or my hands, something's always got to be moving on me, I'm always fidgety, um, but I've been trying to teach myself to stop doing that, and so when I go to, like, clench my head or get my, my fist drawn up to get me pound my head, or grab my arm, I try to remember that's not okay. That's not okay. And um, so I try to calm myself down. And so in this process of crying and bawling my eyes out and stuff, I don't really know what it was per se. Um, of course, you know, I... I before I go to bed, I say my prayers, and so I obviously said my prayers because I was ready to go to bed, and um, I don't know, I laid there, and I was crying really bad, and I had my, I sleep with a teddy bear, if anybody knows my other podcast, I have an emotional support teddy bear, and he is filled with all of my tears, feelings, emotions, and um, secrets. <laughs> Um, but in that process, 
I don't really know. I just all of a sudden felt calm. And I laid there and I was calm and I was starting to relax myself. And I was trying to get my headache to subside. And um, then, of course, my sister called me because <laughs> um, she was on her way home. And I told her, I was, she asked if I, she woke me because obviously I sound different without my teeth in. And I said, no, I was just laying down. I had a really bad headache. Um, and I talked to her just briefly because obviously I, I get real bad migraines sometimes. And um, so anyway, I laid back down. And then I just started thinking about some things that um, mean a lot to me trying to find my thoughts to go somewhere in a positive direction and I don't really want to go into detail what all it is about but um, I was making plans on my head for things that I want to do in my future and um, obviously it's probably a long shot because by no means would I have the resources or funds or money for it but never say never right you never know um, but in this process it actually calmed me down enough to where I got up, checked on my mom again, put my teeth back in, went in there, made me some leftovers, um, checked on my mom again, uh, and then here I am. So, I just want to say that, I guess my point to this is, um, if there's anybody that does that to themselves, my heart goes out to you because, you know, I've, I've talked before where, um, when I was going through my major dark depression, when my grandson was killed, um, I have a tremendous amount of scarring on my arms. Um. I wear my scarves on the outside. I was a picker. And um, people self-mutilate themselves. Some are, are cutters. Some are burners. Some are pickers. Some are other things. I was a picker. And I've talked about it before. But um, it would be to the point where I would subconsciously not even realize I was doing it. My anxiety would get so big. And I would just start picking I pick up my face, I pick up my neck, I pick up my arms, pick up my hands, my legs, my ch um, everywhere. <clears throat> my whole chest would be bruised um, and scabs all over them from where I'd pick. My face was covered, my arms. Um, I actually had to get to the point where I had to put ace bandages and wrap my arms around um, each one of them just so I wouldn't pick. And, you know, my my daughter and this guy that I was with at the time, you know, they were <clears throat> all the time, you know, stop picking, uh, leave, your, leave your face alone, leave your arms alone. Um, or they'd reach over and they would gently move my hand or, you know, something of that nature. And one time I went to, I went on vacation with, with them and... 
my daughter and I were in Walmart, and we were in Florida at the time, and this little girl, this young girl, was with her mom, and they had passed me by, and I had my arms wrapped up in ace bandages, and <clears throat> the girl looked at her mom, and she was like, I could hear her. She's like, what? What happened to her? What's wrong with her? What happened to her? She was talking about me because my arms were wrapped up. I looked, I looked like I am scarred from being burned. Like they're like burn scars, but they're not. Like if somebody would, would see me, they probably would not realize that my scars on my arms are from me being, um, from self-mutilating and picking my, my arms. Um, for my anxiety, um, they would probably think that I was in some type of fire or something or got burnt or, or something of that nature because that is kind of what it looks like. And I used to cover them, try to cover them with makeup foundation. Um, like at one point in time, I was donating blood and stuff, and um, I would try to cover my scars up. And they always do, like, this big interview thing with you when you sign up and everything. And so the lady knew my story. And actually, her and I become uh, pretty decent acquaintances uh, when I would come in. You know, she'd make a point to come over and talk to me or whatever. And um, and I, I saw her. I'd say hi or whatever. And so she knew my story. And I went in there one day. And um, they were not going to let me donate because... They wanted to know why I had scars all over me. And I'm thinking, I have, they're closed scars. They're healed. and But I had makeup on them, um, foundation, to try to lighten the scar look of it, if you will. And uh, so anyway, they got the nurse. <coughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. And I explained to her, I said, I've got scars. And I try to cover them up, and I put make them, sometimes I put foundation or powder on them to try to make them not look so obvious and stand out. But now, um, I don't even really pay attention to them anymore. They're healed. Um, they've been healed for a while. I can honestly say I don't, <coughs> I don't pick at them. I haven't picked my face or my chest, um, in a long time. And, um, I'm very proud of myself. That's a very big accomplishment for me. And if anybody knows my backstory of it um, and how far I've come, um, then I would say that, well, I would hope they'd understand uh, how big of a deal that is. Um, so <clears throat> my point, I guess, is um, self-mutilation People are too quick to judge people on things that they don't know and understand or have gone through. And I can't sit here and say that um, I know how it feels to be you because I don't. I don't know your situation. I don't know your scenario. Um, all I know is my experiences and what I've been through. But at the same time, I, I try... I try to look at all angles of things 
and from everybody's perspective the best I can. And I'm probably better at looking at everybody else with positive uh, eyes than I look at my own reflection. I am so more adamant on giving pep talks, moral support, and positive reinforcement to others than I am myself. And um, I have been trying to teach myself that I am just as important as those that I try to advocate for. And that if I don't advocate for myself and I don't believe in myself and I don't give my own self pep talks and reassurance and positive reinforcement, um, then who is? And why shouldn't I? Why am I any less of a person than anybody else? Why don't I believe in myself? Why don't I believe in what I'm capable of, where, how far I've come, and why am I not worth the same kind of positive outlook as I try to bestow on everyone else that I come in contact with? You know, I always try to find a positive in everything, um, mainly when it regards somebody else. Um, I need to remember to do that for myself. And it's not easy to do. Because I've got about 50 years on me of everything but that, pretty much. So, that's kind of where I'm at today. <laughs> um, but if you have a negative... <coughs> This is kind of what I've been trying to do, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to teach myself. So by no means am I, um, do I deserve an award for it yet, or at all, actually. But I guess that's not even nice to say. See, I'm not trying to, to present that I've got all the answers, or I've been through it all, and I know it all. And I'm sorry if it comes across that way. I really sincerely am. I'm just trying to say that I'm trying to teach myself to reteach myself all the negativity I've been taught is not what defines me and it's not who I want to define anymore. <coughs> so and maybe I'm not making sense, but so for every bad thing that you've done or every negative feeling you've had or every time you've looked in the mirror with disgust, um, try to remember to remind yourself of one positive thing and try to have it overlap and cover the negative up. Kind of like a very nice, delicate band-aid. Just enough to try to get your internal scarring to heal. It's not going to go away per se, but just enough to get to where it can help you to remember to teach yourself repetitively 
as much as repetitively you've been taught the bad things. And I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to change myself. You know, I had somebody one time tell me, <coughs> I had somebody tell me one time, well, I'm just going to say it, my ex-husband. <laughs> so and now I just say I consider the source. But um, when I was divorcing my ex-husband, he made a comment to me once. And it, he's like, and he was real hateful about it, obviously, when you're getting divorced. He said, in your next relationship, why don't you, um, he said, don't be yourself in your next relationship. And um, basically, don't be me. And maybe then it will work out. So try to be, try not to be me. And and maybe my next relationship would, would be better and work out. So obviously saying everything about me was basically um, worthless and not worth being with. And if I was everything but me and changed myself completely and been somebody, be somebody different, then it will work out because then people will like me and then I'll be worth being with or, you know, be worth treating good and decent and, uh, you know, whatever. And I just was like, I, I know, I mean, I consider the source, obviously. And I asked him later, I'm like, you know, why did you say that to me? You know, and he's like, I was just upset and angry, you know, because we were getting, you know, because, but <clears throat> the point is, is that it really indirectly was the cherry on top, if you will, on believing that. Even though I don't, I didn't believe it because I knew that he was just being a butthead. But over time, as I'm like going on in my life and in my next relationship that I was in, um, and just all the things that I went through on losing my grandson and myself and being homeless um, and feeling a sense of abandonment, if you will, um, and things, um, it really magnified uh, what my ex-husband had said. Even though I wasn't in a relationship with my ex-husband at the time, you know, because then I'm like, <sighs> it was my negativity. You know, maybe I'm not worth being with. Maybe I'm not worth um, loving. Maybe I'm not worth um, having a life with and, and making dreams with. And maybe I'm not worth fighting for and not pretty enough and not smart enough and not 
decent enough to meet, you know, additional members of the family, and maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not worth it. And, you know, for years, I carry that mentality thought. And, um, I'm trying to teach myself that that's not true. And I'm trying to remind myself when I look in the mirror that I'm not, I'm not wor that worthless human being that I feel like that I see. I'm not that reflection. I'm not that I shouldn't have to I shouldn't have to be different or act like I'm something I'm not for somebody to love me. And I'm learn I'm learning that. Because my whole life, I have felt that. But my last relationship I was in, we have not been together for years now, and I just can't move past not being with him. I love him tremendously, and I always have. And... Um, I've had guys, you know, ask me out and stuff, and I'm just not, and I said, I mean, we've been apart for years, and, I mean, he was my best friend, and, um, we've been through hell and high water together, <laughs> homeless together, and, um, a lot of stuff, but, um, unfortunately, our lives took different turns. <coughs> I don't hate him. Uh, by any means, uh, obviously, I miss him um, all the time, and I pray for him um, consistently, that he's okay, and that he's safe, and um, that whatever's going on in his life, that he's able to heal from his own demons and things that have happened to him in his life. Um, but it's hard to, it's hard to sit here and, like, I've had guys, like, give me their number or something and text me and, or whatever, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> I had this one guy do it one time, text me once, and, I don't even know why I gave him my number. <laughs> um, but I more or less just told him, you don't want to be with me. You don't want to be with me. You'd be wasting your time. I'm not worth being with. I'm not worth dating. Um, and I just, paragraph after paragraph, just telling this guy that I was just worthless and I was not worth being with and I was not worth loving and um, don't waste his time and don't waste his life trying to talk to me um, that there are better people out there than me and um, 
I was, I don't know, my, I told my daughter about it. I said, yeah, this guy's really getting on my nerves, you know, blah, blah, blah. She said, it's called flirting, Mom. <laughs> and, well, he needs to stop. <laughs> um, but I'm not emotionally, my heart is not emotionally ready to be um, attached to anybody else. Um, and I would be lying if I said otherwise. And I know that my son still leads to some people. Well, gosh, you ain't been with him forever. You know, why are you still so hung on him and whatever? Because it's a different level than what a lot of people would probably understand or realize. And it's a different... And I guess people always say, oh, yeah, this one's different. This one's, uh, this one's the one or blah, you know, and there's just something about all the things that we have been through and the magnitude of self-identification, if you will, with ourselves and each other. I always say that He's the, my biggest heartache and the only man that probably could actually heal my heart. And it's hard when I, I get caught up in my feelings um, thinking about him. But then I get these random guys that think um, they can send you messages or whatever all up in your messenger and stuff and um, or comments and stuff because they'll put stuff, you know, public or whatever on my Facebook page or whatever. And I'm not that person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not that person. I'm not emotionally, um, I'm not emotionally attachable <laughs> uh, right now to anything other than where my heart is right now. And I'm trying to work through that. And it's, uh, it's difficult. I'm not the same person I was um, when I met him. And I'm not the same person I was when I was with him. And um, not so long after we got together, my grandson had got killed. And um, it turned me into, into a life and someone I don't even know. And I am sorry he had to have that part of me because I don't even know who that person is and was. And totally out of character for me, totally not who I wanted to be or want to be. And um, it, probably more information than anybody here wants to know. But I guess my point is, is that... <sighs> Words hurt, but silence cuts like a knife. And um, it's the silent memories that I carry in my head that cut me to the core in my heart. And, and maybe that sounds kind of silly. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm just kind of being 
I don't know, in my feelings a little bit. Like I said, these, these holidays are really hard for me. You know, my grandson's birthday was this month, at the beginning of the month. And we got Thanksgiving. Then we got Christmas. Then we got the anniversary of my dad's death. Then we got my birthday, which on the same day is the anniversary of my grandson's death because he died on my birthday. Um, and in between there also is the guy that I was with. His birthday's in there. Um, then you got New Year's. Last New Year's, I started to go to um, the casino because we don't live far from a casino. Um, and I got dressed, you know, got dressed, put a dress on, did my hair and makeup. And I drove there. Um, to the gas station across the street. <coughs> and I turned around and I came right back home, sat in my driveway, um, and as the clock was going, striking midnight, I'm sitting in my driveway bawling my eyes out. And the year before, um, I was going to go to a friend's house and, um, got dressed and whatever and then I got up in my feelings and lost track of time and brought the new year in by myself in my camper pretty much crying <laughs> bawling my eyes out and so I'm hopeful <laughs> that this new year's will be a little bit less uh, of a heartache but um, I'm trying to go in a positive mindset and every day and not just trying to focus on a new year because everybody makes well, not everybody but some people make new year's resolutions and you can have them entirely want to go into a new year's resolution with all these fancy smancy ideals and plans and and traditions things that you want to do or whatever goals um but my my learning mainly i guess since my dad passed away um, and obviously watching and, and going through that tragic accident, uh, last week that I talked about in my podcast, um, the part one and part two that I did, um, cause I said cut myself off, so I had to go back and make a part two. Um, it's, it's a matter of a split second and I don't know, maybe I'm just, um, the holidays are just hard, but I'm trying to remind myself that I shouldn't have to wait till a new year to try to set goals and set my mind frame and my mindset in a positive direction for not waiting for a year to change a date to want to better myself or do better for myself because heaven only knows if that new year or whatever year it would be even comes around you know when my my dad passed away you know we did Christmas and um, two weeks later he was gone you know January the 7th just a few days after New Year and um, it's it's a huge reality check for me but, um, anyway, <laughs> not trying to bring y'all down, <laughs> um, and I apologize if I'm boring, <laughs> I'm just sitting here just talking and rambling, and, um, 
I'd say I, you're you're the only one I have really to talk to, and that is pretty much true. Although I don't even know who it is I'm talking to because I can't see who's on the other end of this. Um, I'm just talking to my computer and watching these little lines go by every time my voice um, <laughs> goes through. And my voice is probably deep tonight because um, I don't know it gets like that sometimes. Maybe because I'm tired and uh, was crying earlier. That might have something to do with it too, or maybe. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not as just in my head. Maybe it's because I got headphones on and I think my voice is deep. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe I'm I'm hearing my muffled voice is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I know this is probably a very boring podcast, but I do appreciate your guys' um, time that you've given me. And... Um, I did get the opportunity to um, meet the sister of um, that really bad car accident that was outside my house last week. Um, she had came out and was looking at the yard, the road. I'm, I don't know if I talked about this already. If I have, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, <clears throat> but the little boy, she had a son. And, um, from my understanding, they were going to the bus stop, uh, in the car, and the little boy was sitting on his mom's lap going to the bus stop, um, right there, you know, and, um, the gentleman driving was driving very fast and, uh, didn't stop at the bus stop like he was supposed to. And was going to get a pack of cigarettes. And uh, we live in the country, so, you know, that's like four or five miles away. <coughs> and, um, anyway, he passed the bus stop and they were arguing about, you know, she was like, stop, let me out. We need to get out. And she still had her, her six-year-old on her lap because he was going to go to school and, um, uh, he pulled out of, because they live in the trailer court, a, tra- a trailer court, and they pulled out of the trailer court and just opened up. And in probably about two seconds, in as fast as he was going, um, she was gone. Came, we live not too far from there, and they were coming down our road. Come around the corner, hit a pole, um, snapped the electrical pole in half, went into the field, took out the whole electric fence of that field, um, and rested and hit another pole, ejected the boy out of the sunroof, ejected the mother out of the sunroof. The boy went one way, the mother went the other way. I don't know about the driver, if he was ejected or not. I just know one of his shoes was in the car and one of his shoes was down the road. Um, The little boy was on his belly and um, he was crying, he was trying to get up. Um, And he is okay. He's in a back brace and a neck brace for three months. Uh, and then he has to have physical therapy. 
and um, the mother died instantly. And um, obviously, I've talked about, you know, I ran out there and it shook our house and pulled our electric and our cable out of our house and ripped it all out because it was connected to the pole. <coughs> and um, I uh, saw my neighbors standing, you know, trying to figure out what the loud boom was. And I yelled at them to call 911. And I immediately went over to the woman, didn't hesitate. And uh, I didn't even know it was a woman at first. And my neighbor saw the little boy and went to him. And uh, I gave her CPR, tried to give her CPR. And then a first responder showed up and we traded off. And I went after, uh, went not after, but I went to go get the man who was obviously very uh, distraught and in shock and um, hysterical. So I went to go calm him down. Um, and then um, obviously they ended up taking the little boy to the hospital um, to Riley and took him, the man, to another hospital. And um, <clears throat> the sister of the woman had come by, and I got the pleasure of meeting her and her boyfriend and his dad. And um, I was going to go to the funeral today because the funeral was today. I was going to go to the funeral today to pay my respects. Um, it was my intention. But um, I was talking to my sister and my mom at different times, and um, also myself. And I got to thinking, I don't know if I could handle that. I don't know if, um, I don't want to take away from her funeral. I don't want to trigger anybody. I don't want them to come up to me and say, "Oh, how did you? How did you know, Lori? Or who are you?" Um, I didn't want them sitting there and having me there as a reminder of anything else than what they needed to do um, for themselves at that moment with their loved one. I didn't want to be a distraction. And I didn't want that little boy to see me and trigger him on anything, um, you know, recognize me from the accident because I was pl trying to play with him and stick my tongue out. I'm getting him laughing and giggling while they were cutting his clothes and stuff on him, getting him on the backboard. Um, but also, too, I was going to have to go by myself. And I haven't been to a funeral since my dad passed away. But I... I've been having a really hard time um, with it, and I didn't want to get caught up in my emotions um, and not being able to have a way to deal with it because I didn't want to put that on the family that doesn't even know me, and um, so I just thought it would be best not to go, and I did not, but my heart goes out to them. I've prayed for them. I continue to pray for them. Um, the complete family. Um, 
but um, my sincere condolences to them if they happen to be listening to this. Um, it's just, it's an example of how quickly a split second can change your complete world. Going from just simply sitting on his mommy's lap, going to the bus stop for a day at school, to now being in his mom's lap, in this speeding car, to go get a pack of cigarettes while they're arguing, and he's she's telling him to slow down, to stop, you know, to let him out, and he's not. And this little boy sitting on his mommy's lap, and he's stuck there because now he's not in his car seat. He's not going to his bus stop. And the next thing you know, he's flying out of the sunroof, and his mommy's gone. <coughs> so if you're a driver, and you can't handle a situation rationally, park it. Park it. Because you are responsible for everybody in that vehicle. But you are also responsible for everybody else on that road that you intertwine with. And it's a big responsibility. Getting a driver's license is just not a piece of paper with your face on it giving you the operating ability and legal obligational fun if you will, to put your foot on a pedal and steer a little round circle while you're bebopping or while you're strung out on something or while you're arguing or while you're, you're not in the right frame of mind to be defensive and offensive as a driver. The best driver is a defense driver because it ain't always the person behind. It's not always you behind the wheel. It's everybody else behind the wheel, too, even if they're not in your car. So, if you are not equipped to be a responsible driver like you were on the day that you were taking your test and how particular you were trying to be and acknowledgeable you were trying to be your 10 and 2, which I admit I'm not always 10 and 2, but if you cannot be a, a mindful of your responsibility as a driver that needs to be responsible, park it. Pull it over. I don't care where you are. Pull it over in a safe place and park it until you can get yourself together before you start back out there. Because the accident last week could have been prevented. And I, obviously, I understand it's an accident. Accidents do happen, but not in that manner. It took a split second. That little boy could have been on his little school bus, going to school, and they could have been nicely going and doing what they needed to do for the day. And if this, if that, if this, because if anything was different, it could have been more horrific, more tragic. And I understand that. But my point is, 
As I always say, if ifs were fists, we'd all be drunk. But my point is, it could have been prevented. So try to be a responsible driver. Whether you have a license or not, if you are behind a wheel driving, you're not just driving for yourself. You're driving for everybody else on that road, whether they're in your car, whether they're a passenger or not. And if you're a passenger and you don't feel safe, please make sure you're buckled up and your kids are buckled up the best you can. But I can't, I can't say that either because it's... <laughs> I can't say that either. That's not fair to say. I retract that comment. And I'm not trying to point the finger game at anybody. I'm just saying we have a lot of drivers on this road that have licenses and don't have licenses. But we also have a lot of young drivers on the road. We have a lot of older drivers on the road as well. And we have a lot of drivers that think they know how to drive, but lose and and forget their um, uh, their sense of surroundings, if you will. Have you ever driven somewhere and be like, I don't remember even, I don't remember the ride here. And I'm sober. I'm clean. I'm sober. I don't have. I'm mean, I'm not drinking. Um, I was listening to my music. Or maybe I wasn't, but maybe I was caught up in a daydream, or maybe I was looking at my surroundings, or maybe I don't know, and my muscle memory in my brain just got me where I needed to go. I don't know. And I and I admit, I'm working on this for myself, too, because as I was on my way to go pick up that police report, uh, whenever I would start to go a little bit faster or something, I would be like, reminding myself where I'm going where I'm going, why I'm going. <coughs> and uh, with the holidays coming and the weather changing, please try to be safe out there. You're somebody something. And if you're going through something and, and you're crying so hard that you can't see to drive, please pull over until you can. Or call somebody to get you or try to find... Um, some other way to get home or where you need to go and I admit I'm I'm have been um, I've been guilty of that I've cried so hard before driving down the road I couldn't even see to drive and I started doing the five four three two one method um, to try to calm myself down and sometimes I've I've actually have pulled over because uh, I couldn't see to drive. I couldn't see past my my eyes. Um, or I was having a panic attack driving down the road and just started crying uh, very hysterically. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Coughing real bad. Had to roll the windows down. Um, and um, I still drove home, though. But I was going very, very slow because I couldn't function to even drive. But I didn't um, 
looking back now, that was wrong of me to do. Even though I was on the back roads in the country and it was it was nighttime and there weren't a bunch of cars out, I don't care. That was wrong for me to do. Um, but I was trying to get home. I was just trying to get home because I was having a full-fledged uh, moment. And I was crying several times. I've, uh, several random times throughout my life I have done this. But one um, time in particular, it was really, really bad. And I really thought I was going to be sick. I was coughing and crying so hard. And um, it's a real thing. And if you go through this, I'm sorry. You have to go through that and feel that way. And I hope you find a way to find what works for you to remind yourself that you matter, that you're worth more than what you feel, but more importantly, you're worth more than what others have made you feel. And self-medication is not the answer. And honestly, it's not even a decent band-aid. Um, and self-medication comes in many forms many forms. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It could be a shopping addiction. It could be um, stealing things, kleptomaniac. It could be binging and purging, you know, um, making yourself throw up, eating too much, uh, trying to find comfort food, if you will, working too much, um, Exercising too much, throwing yourself into something. Um, addiction and self-medication can be in any form. It's not just drug and alcohol. It's really not. Smoking too much, maybe. You know, too many cigarettes one after another. Chain smoking, trying to find some vaping. Um, all forms of trying to calm yourself down and self-medicating your way, way through. Um, whatever it is you're trying to get through. And um, I pray that you find something that is of a positive nature. Um, if you're going to do something that is self-medicating, please do something that's positive. And I mean positive towards your mental state of mind, your physical state of mind, your um, emotional state of mind, and your spiritual state of mind. Um, and I was saying, I know that not everybody believes in God, but would it really hurt? I mean, would it really hurt to believe and pray and try to have faith? Um, because I found that sometimes, it's. I know it's not the answer to it's not a fix-all, do-all. Just because you pray for something doesn't mean that it's going to happen or that's the way it's going to be or it's going to fix everything and um, all is well with all is well. And I know that. And I'd be lying if I said otherwise. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt to do it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't 
believe in something good. We're so hell-bent on wanting to believe in everything else and drama and all the negativity in the world. Why is it so difficult to want to believe in something good? We have miracles every second we take a breath. Heaven is not just above. It's around, it's below, but it's within you as well. Because you are your world. And why not believe in that? You're worth that too, right? But if you do have an overwhelming sense of self-mutilation or hurting yourself, counseling isn't for everybody. I've done counseling twi twice in my life. And um, it's not for everybody. It really isn't. What works for some might not work for others. Um, I'm not a big medication person. Um, but if you feel overwhelmed, lost, or feel like you're... Let me put it this way. If you're going to be anything to yourself, be honest to yourself. If you're going to look in that mirror, actually see you. Don't see what everybody else has made you look like, but see you. For all the beautiful things you are, the rest is minute. The rest is other people's opinions. The rest is everybody's something else that doesn't belong on your reflection. Be the one that makes the difference in the world, but be the one that makes the difference in the world that consists of you. And I'm trying to teach myself that too. And I pray we all remember that when we need to because it does make a difference and it does matter. I used to think, you know, maybe the world would be better off without me. I was internally self-killing myself. And I have attempted quite a few times to want to do it. Drastic measures I was doing. And I don't want to go into detail on what they were. But I was looking up at different ways. And I was, I was pretty close in a lot of directions. Let's just put it that way. And, um, it's a real thing. And it's a side of me that nobody bothers to even notice and will ever even know to even look for. 
and let's say, look at me and actually see me, if that makes sense. I used to tell somebody, you know, look at me. Look at me and tell me what you really see. What do you see when you look at me? And I had to remind myself to ask my own self that question. But then I had to remind myself to be honest with myself on my answer. And then after I was honest with myself on my answer, then I had to remind myself to answer myself correctly. Because my first answer was how I saw myself through what everybody else made my reflection look like. And not really what I saw through my eyes. Because if I really looked in my eyes, I would really have saw what I needed to see. If that makes sense. And that was pure tragedy. Because I didn't even know the person that I was looking back at anymore. And that's what I'm trying to teach myself to look at differently now. And I pray that you learn to teach yourself the same way. Because I went from believing that nobody would care if I was gone. And maybe the world would be better off without me. And that probably nobody would come to my funeral anyway. Because they wouldn't even know I was gone. They wouldn't even care. But now, I'm not trying to think that way anymore. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm trying to catch myself when I do it negatively. But I'm trying to teach myself that the more I worry about dying, the less I'm allowing myself to live. And that has been a huge obstacle for me. Because i got to remind myself that I'm worth living for. And I pray that I can continue to do so. But I pray that if you're going through something similar... you find a way to do so too. And um, 
I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> being a big baby again. Um, no, I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to cry in your ear, but I just get really emotional because I'm, I'm, I'm being really sincere and very candid. Um, I always say to a room dressed up like chairs, <laughs> but, um, There are places to reach out to, and I say that, but I know it's easier said than done. I ain't gonna lie, I know that. Um, I say, you know, hey, have like um, a go-to person to call or something, you know, when you're in your feelings, but then it's kind of embarrassing to call somebody and tell them that, you know, hey, I'm having suicidal thoughts, or I'm self-mutilating, or I'm... I think I'm a piece of shit right now. <laughs> Please talk me down. Um, but try to find a positive outlet. I don't have the answers because I, I don't even know the questions for my own, um, my own situation to even have any answers for. I just know that. Um, Maybe I'm just up in my feelings today with the holidays, but um, that's not totally true because um, this is me, actually. It's, it is me, and this is what I'm working through. This is what I've been working through, and um, if you're going through anything similar over the holidays or any other day, my heart goes out to you for whatever that's worth, um, and I don't mean that to be sarcastic or anything. Um, and if you find um, a solution and it works, please feel free to share. Because <laughs> um, some people say, oh, I understand, I understand. And maybe in a sense they do. But that doesn't, that doesn't make it go away. That doesn't fix it. It doesn't always help. So anyway, I am grateful for everybody that stays loyal and has dedicated their time to listen to me. And I, um, I pray that you have a safe and happy uh, weekend, and um, I am going to close out now because I have to check on my mom, and I'm going to start crying more if I don't because I'm trying to um, not escalate my anxiety and my triggers, so... <laughs> Anyway, um, I do appreciate you all joining me, and I hope you have
hope you have the ability to get through whatever demons you don't you don't let other people know you you handle and I pray that you can actually look in your reflection and see the beauty that God created and not what the world has destroyed anyway this is Dee and you've been listening to my podcast I don't even know what to name this. Um, <laughs> no name. <laughs> Again. Um, have a safe and blessed night. And God bless you.